But you all would be surprised at the number of women that have had abortions. It doesn't make them evil. It doesn't make them bad people. They made a choice. Hey, 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 it's Dr. V, Benita Vernada, board-certified OBGYN and board-certified lifestyle medicine physician. Uh, I started this podcast because I wanted, uh, well, when I started it, it was really for my patients. As an OBGYN, my patients are female. And so I just wanted to educate them to be knowledgeable. Um, as I stepped into my lifestyle medicine vein and really started to feel like that was my purpose and place in medicine, um, the podcast has um, started to implement some of the pillars of health like sleep, nutrition, um, stress management. Um, but I'm putting on my OBGYN hat today and I am, I'm recording this episode because it is a question that I get a lot of. People trust me. People know I love them. And they also know that I'm a Christian. And so the question that I'm asked to comment or just to get my thoughts on is what do I think about, you know, all of the stuff that's going on with abortion and women's rights? Uh, And I don't have any problems talking about it. I think we need to talk about it. I think more physicians, more OBGYNs need to talk about it Uh, because I I know that there's a lot of, there's a lot being said in the media, you know, from the political aspect. But I think that we forget that this is somebody's life that we're talking about. This is a woman's life we're talking about. This is the father's life. This affects the family. Uh, You know, whatever the decision that they choose, it affects everybody. Um, So it's their body, it's their life, it's their mental health, it's their physical health. Um, And it's really not political at all. It's not. And... It's not religious either. It's not religious. Uh, And let me just say, so you understand where I'm coming from. Uh, I started my residency in OBGYN in 2002. I stopped practicing full-time in 2021, and I still practiced. but I've never done terminations. I've never done an abortion. I mean, we'll get into what an abortion is, but I've never done an abortion on a baby um, that was a live fetus. I'm, I have not done that. I could not do that. Me personally, me, Benita Bernardo. Would I counsel my patient on an abortion? Absolutely. I would talk to them about it because if that's something that they are, Um, considering, I want them to hear it from me. I want them to know the pros and the cons. I know that I'm going to take the time to listen to them and to answer their questions. And so um, 
I would definitely counsel patients. If they say that they want to terminate, I would say, oh, no, 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 you're going to hell. No, that's not my role as their doctor. My, I see my role as their physician um, is one of partnering with, with them. Um, it's a relationship. Um, but I see my patients having autonomy. I see them being able to make their own choices. And if we think about it, when it comes to doctors, people make their own choices all the time. People say, I've got high blood pressure, I've got diabetes, and I'm going to eat whatever I want. Doctor so-and-so said, don't eat salt, but, you know, I'm going through KFC, you know, two, three times a week. Um, so there are lots of times where patients uh, are autonomous. They know the information and they make their choice. Um, and so I, as a Christian, and I, I like to say I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm spiritual. I'm not necessarily religious. Like, uh, I think some of the rules that we have, we, you know, um, around religion and I won't get into that. Um, but I really see myself as practicing. Like I want to be a reflection of God here on earth. I want to be the light in the darkness. And so I, I'm a practicing Christian, I like to say. Um, uh, and so if we're supposed to be a reflection of God, if we're supposed to be a reflection of Jesus, then we have to let people choose. This may sound harsh, and you can cancel me if you want to, but God is pro-choice. God is pro-choice in life in general. Um, he lets us choose whether we accept Jesus Christ into our life and become saved. He lets us choose. He doesn't put a law in um, that says you can't, that you have to choose. He lets us make the choice. Now, in his, um, there are consequences to your choice, but he doesn't take the choice away. And so, uh, do I perform terminations? No. Have I had a termination? No. Have I been in a situation where I needed to terminate? No. As focused as I was wanting to be a doctor, if I got pregnant in college, would I have considered it? Possibly. I'm just being honest. And really, when we're talking about when people are making these choices, uh, these are hard choices to make. This is a very hard decision. Um, and I think discussing it with Dr. V and even thinking about terminating a pregnancy is hard enough. I can't imagine, you know, having to go through the hoops of some of the legal hoops that some of our patients are having to go through. Um, okay, but I digress. So uh, I just want you to understand where I'm coming from. Again, I'm, I'm the light in the darkness. Um, and I will preface my statements with, um, I was a medical director for an organization called the Pregnancy Network. Um, and they actually, um, and it's a Christian organization, but they actually help women make the choice. They help them make the choice. Um, and the woman that's considering terminating comes there. Um, they do an ultrasound so they can see the baby. And that was part of my role. I would read the ultrasound. But if they decide to keep the child, then they have services to help 
the family, to help the woman, to help the father um, as they go along the journey of pregnancy and afterwards. And so as Christians, I think um, that that's our role. I don't necessarily think that we need to be, um, I think that we need to be supporting people. Um, I'll just say this, if you feel strongly about making a law that someone cannot terminate their pregnancy, then we better get really busy on the back end supporting them through this process and the emotional turmoil, physical and financial um, toll that it's going to take on a family, a woman. The other thing is we also need to be focusing on prevention. Um, I've said it before, our bodies are wired to procreate. Our brain, our sex organs are wired to procreate. Uh, so it's, it's really hard not to procreate. You have to put some barriers in place. Um, so that's my spiel. So let me just kind of get into, uh, you know, what exactly is an abortion? And for us in OBGYN, an abortion is basically um, a pregnancy that resolves prior to 20 weeks. It's an emptying of the uterus um, prior to the 20th week of pregnancy. And so um, emptying the uterus means the pregnancy, the baby, the cells, the lining, all of that comes out um, as an abortion. So in the medical term, we have um, an elective abortion. So that's an, the patient chose to um, empty the uterus. There is a spontaneous abortion, which is also called a miscarriage. Um, and that's the, the, the layman term, but that's also an abortion, spontaneous abortion. There's also a missed abortion. A missed abortion is when um, we do an ultrasound, we see the baby, but we don't see a heartbeat. Uh, and that is... It's a missed abortion because the body just hasn't had an opportunity to empty the uterus. Um, ectopic pregnancy, this is something that comes up, um, which I just bonkers, blows my mind. An ectopic pregnancy is a pregnancy that is outside of the uterus. Okay, so let me back up. The uterus is where a baby lives. It grows for nine to 10 months, okay? It is created to house a baby. It is a muscle. It stretches and grows. It contracts to push the baby out. It's a whole thing, y'all. It's very fascinating. But that's the location that God created for a baby to grow. If it, a baby goes anywhere outside of that and tries to grow, it's going to be lethal for the mom. It's going to be a problem. Um, because when the pregnancy starts to grow, there are blood vessels that start to, I mean, it's like a, it's a seed, right? So it's looking for nourishment. So it's going to start to embed in wherever it grows. And so an ectopic pregnancy is a pregnancy that is outside of the uterus. It is incompatible with life. It's incompatible with life for the um, fetus, but definitely 
for the mom. If it's not managed correctly, it can be life-threatening to the mother. And so, mind you, it's not called an ectopic abortion because it's not in the uterus. It's an ectopic pregnancy. So when I hear, you know, in the media that they won't even allow ectopic pregnancies to be ended, as a physician, you are compromising my, my number one patient. And my first patient, my first responsibility is to the mother. In obstetrics and gynecology, we always choose mom first. If it comes down to the life of the mother versus the life of that unborn child, we always pick mom because, A, the baby's going to need the mama, right? But the mother can have another child. But if we lose mom, that's it. That's it. That makes, that makes common sense, right? That makes common sense. So there are times in medicine where we have to choose, uh, we have to make a choice and we choose mom every time. Now we do everything we can to save both and there's a balance sometimes, but when we've done all we can and the choice is, do we want mom to live or do we want baby to live? We choose mom. Anybody listening who is an adult, if you have a problem with that, uh, I would love to talk about it. I would love to talk about it. Um, because a lot of these situations where we have to make that choice, the pregnancy is very early. Sometimes the baby is not even viable. And what we mean by viable is that the baby can live outside of the mom. Can the baby live outside of the mom without the mom? If the answer is no, then that baby is non-viable. So 23 to 24 weeks of pregnancy, that's the age of viability. Um, the lungs um, are the last organ to develop um, and, be a, and they're the last organ to be able to function uh, on their own. And so a lot of times when we are, and, and I'm saying that as a broad generalization, but you know, a lot of times when we are talking about delivering a baby early, we're always worried about lung development and we get medication so that we can speed up that process. Um, but yes, if we're talking about mother versus baby, then we choose mom. And I'll just share a story of mine. Um, I was in residency and I had a woman who had horrible horrible high blood pressure. It was, hor it was hard to control. I think she came to pregnancy on two medications and was supposed to be on three, uh, but she just only took two. Uh, and she got pregnant. And the pregnancy, the pregnancy made her blood pressure worse. It made her blood pressure uncontrollable. We threw everything we had at her. Um, she was maxed out on everything. Uh, but her blood pressure was not well controlled. Um, she was even hospitalized so that we could monitor her blood pressure. And ultimately, uh, she had a stroke in the hospital. She had a stroke in the hospital. And at that point, and, and this was a hospital that didn't do terminations, but it was very clear at that point uh, that if the pregnancy was not removed, um, we would lose her. Um, she was young. She was able to recover from the stroke. She did have some deficits, um, but it was very clear that the pregnancy made her blood pressure worse. And this was at 18 weeks. 
there's a medical condition called preeclampsia that, you know, we, we know starts after the 20th week. I mean, she was showing signs at like 14, 15, 16 weeks. Like it was just a very rare, odd case of the pregnancy worsening her hypertension. But we know that it can do that. Uh, and so it was, a, it was a battle that we were having before she had the stroke. And we're like, this is going to, this is going to kill her. It did kill her, thank God. Um, and I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm saying it as I remember it now. I don't know if we use those terms, but we were like, this is detrimental to her health. That's probably a better way to say it. This is detrimental to her health. And the procedure couldn't be done. It was only after she had the stroke that then they agreed to do it because they had proof that it was life-threatening because she just had a stroke. Okay. Um, all right. So terminations, we just talked about all the different types of abortions. Um, and we talk about viability uh, and how I think that does make a difference. So um, when a woman is pregnant and she has normal regular cycles um, that are every 28 to 30 days, when she misses a period, she is four weeks pregnant. She's four weeks pregnant. And some women, you know, miss that because they're just busy with life and they're not even thinking about it. And they're like, okay. I just, I, I missed my period. So when I hear the legislation saying, well, we'll give you six weeks. Um, to me, it's like most women, A, might've just found out if they're lucky two weeks ago that they're pregnant and then they've got to get an appointment. Okay. Got to get an appointment, but let's not even talk about the time to contemplate one of the uh, hardest decisions of their life. Um, that take some time to process that. Uh, I'm honoring women. I'm honoring the process of becoming a mother. I'm honoring the process of uh, making decisions for your life. Now, Dr. V is all about some prevention. I'm all about prevention. So women don't have to be in these situations and make these tough decisions. So if, if you're my patient, I don't want you to have a pregnancy that you're not ready for. So we're going to prevent the pregnancy. Uh, but yeah, so by, if you say you're cutting it off at six weeks, then, hmm, you know, that's, that's fairly, relatively early. I know some are proposing 12. Um, we now have technology in medicine that we can determine genetic um, disorders earlier. We can't determine all, but we can determine a lot. Um, and so we can determine them before 12 weeks. Now, that's the assuming that the woman got prenatal care or that she got an appointment or that she found out early, early, early at like four to six weeks that she was pregnant. Um, there are some um, genetic disorders or problems that we will not see until uh, we do the ultrasound at 18 weeks. Again, there are some rare syndromes and some birth defects. Um, that don't necessarily show up on a blood test. Um, and so, you know, traditionally, the cutoff has been 20 weeks or 20 or the end of 20 weeks, which is technically like 21 weeks. Um, I think there is one state, um, and this is prior to all of the um, abortion laws, but that would do it up to 26 weeks. 
Um, so there are some reasons um, that couples choose if they have a child with uh, a genetic disorder or birth defect um, that uh, is going to diminish the quality of life or is incompatible with the life of their child. There are reasons that people choose to terminate. Again, um, you know, me personally, would I choose to terminate if my child had a birth defect or a genetic disorder? No. I'm like, this is the way God made the baby. So let's roll with it. You know, whatever comes. There is a term called um, anencephaly where the baby is born without a brain, essentially. So, you know, the top part of the, the, the brain, which people often talk about the frontal lobe, like that part of the brain, the skull is gone. Um, and so that is incompatible with life. Um, and, you know, there, uh, there's several ways, you know, to proceed with a pregnancy like that. But just know that it's extremely hard. We are talking about decisions um, that nobody would want to have to make, that nobody would want to have to make. Um, I always uh, keep in mind that when someone gets a positive pregnancy test from the very minute, that they see that positive pregnancy test, especially if it's a wanted pregnancy, they have hopes and dreams for this child. And the, the child is a ball of sales, a ball of sales. But, you know, they start seeing girl, boy, clothes and start looking and thinking of their child. Um, and whether they want the child or not, to be honest, um, but things happen and there is a, an emotional connection for most people with just the knowledge of knowing that you're carrying, um, that you're carrying that seed. Um, so let's get into the medications and how, uh, how terminations are, because right now, um, um, the medication mifepristone uh, was temporarily, or I, I don't know the legal term, but one judge said you can't use it, and the other one was like, yeah, you can. And so for right now, you can still use it. Um, it's a medication that, oddly enough, I did a report on this medication in either high school or college. Um, it was not available in the United States, but mifepristone is a medication that actually blocks progesterone so that the pregnancy cannot continue. Progesterone is everything in, in pregnancy. The progesterone actually helps, to, uh, helps the lining stay. Um, and for the pregnancy to continue to grow and thrive. And if you block that, it's almost like you're not giving a plant any water, sunshine, or anything. It's basically just going to stop. Stop growing. It's not going to thrive anymore. Um, I, I can't resist the urge. Here's some geeky science where when you ovulate and you release an egg, that the ovary is producing progesterone it's called the corpus luteum, until the placenta grows and takes over. Uh, and so, you know, some women who have miscarriages very early before the placenta has a chance to take over, it's usually sometimes it's progesterone related because they don't have enough progesterone to sustain the pregnancy. So that's how mifepristone works. It blocks progesterone. Um, what I have commonly used if a woman is um, having a miscarriage or she has a missed abortion. And a missed abortion, again, is where the baby has passed away, um, or I'm sorry, the fetus has passed away. Um, 
but we need to uh, empty the uterus, I use something called mesoprostol. It's also called Cytotec. Now, this medication, if we banned it, oh my gosh, people, like OBGYN would, would, would be at a standstill. This medication is, is, was first used as a medication for ulcers in the stomach. They started realizing that women who were pregnant and took this medication were having miscarriages. Uh, so this medicine, we actually use it to soften up the cervix and cause contractions. So if you've ever had an induction and they put that little peel on the inside, that's actually mesoprostol or Cytotec. And we start inductions with it. It's a medication that we use all over the globe. Um, and it's cheap. It's for pennies. So it's a really, really great way um, to help induce labor. But it also can, um, in higher doses, can cause the uterus to contract and you can have a miscarriage. Um, so that's the mitropristone and the mesoprostol. Uh, mesoprostol, just because you're using mesoprostol doesn't mean you're doing a termination. Uh, I have, though, I, I have had a uh, pharmacist who would not feel it because um, he said he didn't believe in abortions. And he didn't know uh, that the woman had had a, uh, that the baby had passed away on the inside. She had waited her two weeks. Um, to try to let her body do it on its own, and it had it. And so we were given the mesoprostol. Um, and so, you know, this is another reason why I have a podcast, to, to tell you the truth, to give you both sides. Um, I don't think we'll hear mesoprostol being banned, but if you hear that it's being banned, um, then, you know, you know that it is not, um, that's, that's not a good use of that medication to, to ban it because we use it quite a bit. Uh, one in five women have had miscarriages. One in five, one in five will, so 20%. So for the woman who is actually miscarrying, maybe it's an incomplete abortion, so an incomplete miscarriage, we also give that medication. This is another place where I've heard that, you know, uh, the abortion was in progress. And the termination was not, uh, could not happen. Or they couldn't do a DNC, which stands for dilation and curatage. They couldn't go in and help the patient empty the uterus. It was against the law. So when a woman is miscarrying, if you've ever miscarried, there's a lot of blood. It's like your worst period times 10. Like it's like the worst period. It's almost like a mini labor. Once the, if you're six weeks, 10 weeks, if you're early first trimester, once that cervix opens, once the uterus is opened, the pregnancy or the ending of the pregnancy is in process. It's inevitable. That's also another type of abortion. We call it an inevitable abortion. That means that um, the patient is bleeding and the cervix is opened. There's a threatened abortion. Are we keeping count of how many abortions we have in the medical term? Threatened abortion is where the woman is bleeding, but her cervix is closed. The minute the cervix opens, it's inevitable, and the body is going to get rid of that pregnancy, which is why if someone comes in hemorrhaging, I mean pouring out blood through their vagina, I'm not sure why we would not do a DNC and why that is against the law. Because if you lose enough blood quick enough, what happens to the mom is that her blood pressure drops, her heart rate speeds up, she will eventually pass out. And 
if she loses enough blood volume, her heart will stop. She'll go into cardiac arrest because she's you, you need blood in your body, right? Blood carries oxygen to your vital organs. So um, I, I just, I, again, I think some of this is politics, I think, because medically, you know, when people say they want this decision to be between a woman and her doctor, yes, a politician doesn't need to be the one diagnosing hypovolemia and making a decision. Hypovolemia, um, uh, hemorrhaging, that, that's our field. And I know that, again, my responsibility is to my first patient, and that is to, my, to the mom. Um, so, yes, yeah, so medications are necessary um, to minimize bleeding. Uh, Methogen is also a medication that we use to minimize bleeding, but we don't use it to ne necessarily induce abortions. But if um, incomplete abortions have happened, Cytotec or mesoprostol, mifepristone, again, I haven't used that, but it is um, used um, in the U.S. Um, I just want to take a second to talk about the emotional impact of uh, abortions. I'll never forget it. Uh, I've had, I had one patient, she she was in her 60s or 70s. And, you know, I'm doing the good history, like they taught me in medical school. And my question is, so, you know, you're doing the past medical history and the surgery history. Have you had any medical problems, any surgery problems? Um, I'm an OBGYN, so I take a good obstetric history and a good gynecology history. And I said, you know, my, my phrase is, do you have any miscarriages or abortions? She had put it on there. Um, I think she had one child, um, but then I always ask, do you have any miscarriages or abortions? Because some women don't see those as pregnancies, but as an obstetrician, I do. And she got quiet, and I don't, I don't remember if she said, I don't remember if she said no, or if she just didn't say anything, but she stopped. And she started crying. She was 70 years old. And she was crying about her termination, I think she had done in college. Over 50 years later, it's, she still carried the pain of it with her. And so I think that people, you know, on the, the side of making it a law and taking the right to choose away, think they want you to villainize women who are making this choice. And the truth of the matter is, is that, um, and this is what I just believe at my core, that spiritually, when you are impregnated with a child, that those maternal instincts are there. Uh, and I'm not saying I know everybody, but, you know, for the most part, you know, something happens and there is a connection um, to that pregnancy. Um, no matter who you are, no matter how much money you make, no matter what you have done in your life, whether you're in prison, whether you're on drugs, you know, people don't take being impregnated and being a mother lightly. Um, I think that we want that, that we want people to think that the people who are doing abortions are just using it as birth control. Um, and a part of my job is when my patient comes back who's had the terminations, we're getting on some birth control because we ain't doing this again. Um, 
I just want you to understand the emotional impact. Uh, don't believe that people don't care, that women don't care. Um, also men, you know, this is a tough situation because sometimes the father of the baby wants the, the child, you know, and, and they have no say essentially or not no say, but you know, they're not the one that um, has to carry the child. And so, you know, give me some grace on this, whether you agree with me or disagree, you know, don't cancel me. There are, there are lots of conversations to be had about this. But it's, it's, I just want you to understand that it's not so easy to empty your uterus. Um, and even if it, it doesn't, it makes sense at the time. And like I said, if I, you know, try to be Dr. Renato, I might have chosen to terminate. I'm just being honest. I was so focused. And a child in medical school just would not have been the thing. Now, again, I'm about prevention. So I wasn't sexually active early. Uh, and I knew how to prevent pregnancy. Um, so that was not a situation I was going to find myself in. But if I didn't, I particularly would consider it. And what I think that we're missing is, is what we keep hearing is humanity. That especially young women, I mean, young women and some older women, but, you know, young women who are trying to make this decision, they feel like they're doing what's in the best interest of themselves and a lot of time of what's in the best interest of the baby. Y'all, I like to say as an OBGYN, I am the keeper of the secrets. I know people's history. Um, I know the STDs. I know when they're having affairs. Um, I know when they've fallen out of love with their husband or their partner. I know when, you know, they're a lesbian and their family doesn't know. I know these things. And so I know, I know that a lot of people who are trying to take the right of someone who's choosing to have an abortion, I know that some of these same people have made that decision. They've made that decision, and now they're trying to take it away from somebody else. And I think that they're making that decision saying that, well, I wish somebody would have stopped me. Um, and that may be true. But you all would be surprised at the number of women that have had abortions. It doesn't make them evil. It doesn't make them bad people. They made a choice. Was it the right choice? Again, I, God gives us a choice. I don't get to make that choice for someone. I think the emotional impact that it has on us, I oftentimes... And I just think, you know, the way that we see things when we're, when we're down difficult situations, we just want it to be over. And I always feel like there's a silver lining and there's a way out. Uh, and so, you know, it probably isn't the right choice for most people. If you're going to die, if you keep the pregnancy, yeah, it's the right choice. Um, that's my personal opinion. But I'm not going to villainize someone. I was taking care of a patient recently and she had a complication from her abortion and she looked at it as punishment, as punishment. I'm like, you know, when you have a, a, an abortion, if you get an infection or if you hemorrhage, you can die. You don't have to die, you know, for an abortion. Like, like that's not punishment. God doesn't want you to die 
because you made a bad choice. Uh, and I don't think that we as human beings should want bad for anybody, uh, that we will want somebody um, to go through that. Because guess what? We've all made bad choices. We've all done things that maybe were not, that maybe made sense at the time, but, but weren't in our best interest. And we want somebody to give us a second chance. We want somebody to give us grace. Um, and so all I'm saying is just extend it to your fellow woman, your fellow man. Um, give them some grace. Um, see the humanity in, in the situation. Um, I think that's it. I covered all I wanted to cover. Um, if, if you want me to speak to your organization, if you want me to come on your show, um, if you want me to speak to your church group, if you want me to speak to your family, um, please contact me, um, through my social media, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, um, my podcast is um, is where all podcasts are, um, and you can go to officevisitswithdrv.com. Um, but I am Benita Renato, Dr. V, um, just giving us another way um, to look at this hot topic. Um, and I'm just begging you, I'm adding to you to see the humanity in it. Um, give grace as God has given us grace. Um, and if you feel strongly about this topic, think about where you might be best used, um, in the fight, whatever the fight is, um, but give it in the framework of, of humanity, um, but I could talk about this all day. Maybe what we'll do is we'll have a live and I'll take your questions. Uh, or if you're interested in coming on and talking about it, um, then uh, please reach out to me um, because this is not the last time uh, that we'll be hearing about this topic. Uh, and I think more people need to hear uh, more stories. So thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, I'll see you next time. Bye for now.